people always ask me if they've seen an increased prevalence. And I said, it's always been there. Uh, growing up as a child myself, we've always, we've seen it, we've experienced it. But the scary thing now is it can come into your house. It's happening over the media platforms. And some oftentimes parents are not aware, have no idea that their child has been targeted and is, is dealing with something like this. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Rena B. Patel. She is a renowned parenting expert, licensed educational psychologist, board-certified behavior analyst, and the author of Winnie and Her Worries. Welcome, Rena B. Patel. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I love that you're talking about cyberbullying. It is such a huge thing right now, and parents need to know how to help their kids and know what the signs are. I'm just going to let you jump in and start talking. Think about the era we are in, especially coming out of a pandemic. We've got approximately 80% of teens who really use a smart device, a cell phone, regularly. It's the most easiest way a bully would have access to, to your child. And people always ask me if they've seen an increased prevalence. And I said, it's always been there. Growing up as a child myself, we've always, we've seen it, we've experienced it. But the scary thing now is it can come into your house. It's happening over the media platforms. And some oftentimes parents are not aware, have no idea that their child has been targeted and is, is dealing with something like this. Yeah. And so you wrote a book called Winnie and Her Worries. I have a book, Winnie and Her Worries. My goal was to help youngsters, children around the ages between about five and 10, address their stress and worries. And that's what Winnie and Her Worries are about. It's just a toolbox of practical tools that you can apply on helping you cope with everyday stressors so it doesn't get to the point where it becomes so impactful that it's full-fledged anxiety. You can't move about your day. And so I believe if we start with children younger, we can give them the coping tools and empower them to get through challenges. What they call in recovery from drugs and alcohol is white knuckle it. I feel like parents sometimes white knuckle it. They're like, if we won't look at it, it just won't happen. But it sounds like you're saying, open your eyes, see what can happen and prepare your kids. Right. Everybody talks about mental health and I use this term called mental wealth. It's mm. just giving your children and think about savings, right? What is wealth? It's, it's just like the money, the prosperous things that you have, things that you save for a rainy day. That's the security that you want to feel. If we look at it like mental wealth is the same thing, just empowering yourself, your children to how to handle and just have those bag of tricks ready to go because in life, it's not smooth sailing. Things are going to happen. Challenges are going to take place. It's just how resilient, how are we going to be able to bounce back and show that grit that all of us can have and develop? I was really surprised at the statistics that 43% of kids have been bullied online. That's one in four. And only 10 victims will inform their parents and adults. And I think that's true of every kind of bullying. My son was bullied. I think it was like third grade. And we knew something was up, but we couldn't get him because... It wasn't even that he was scared of the boy. He knew the boy was having family trouble. And so he just, in his little sweet little mind, he thought, well, he's just having a bad day. It's something that in many ways we've overlooked. And I feel like with cyberbullying, when we don't know who's on the other end, that we have to be 100% more diligent. 
I 100% agree. The thing is, is oftentimes children do not tell their parents because they're ashamed, they're embarrassed. They've been told by the bully not to say anything. So those are oftentimes the reasons why an individual, a child especially, does not seek out any help or inform anyone. And so that's why as parents, it's important to just check in, be mindful. The one thing I talk about with families when I do a lot of my social media just seminars is if you give your child access to a social platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, you as a parent should be on that same platform as well. Navigate it, know what it's about. There's some great ways that you can also check in and see what it is you're able to block certain people. You can keep things private. Just in educating them and educating yourself when it comes to social media is, is very important. And you said girls are twice as likely as boys to be victims as well as perpetrators of cyberbullying. Yes. Basically, girls are an easier target, but doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And when you think about the type of individual who is most likely to get bullied are the ones who are a little bit more isolated, do not have that big cohesive group of solid friendships, maybe slightly different in different ways that sadly people make fun of or a target, Uh, low self-esteem, different family dynamics. Those individuals are easier targets. Now looking at the bully themselves, just like you mentioned with your son, bullies, you have to think about the behavior. Why are they acting this way? Oftentimes it's attention seeking. They've had some trauma or they're going through something traumatic. Sometimes parents are in the middle of a divorce or a custody battle, or they're doing poorly in school and they're trying to mask what they're doing, or or they just enjoy the attention, right? It's that negative attention, that social attention that they get as well. I was really interested in the things I was reading when you called it abuse, It was bully, bully. And then it said they don't want to tell a parent or trusted adult of their abuse. And I think it's important that we call it what it is. Absolutely. It is abuse. It is also can be um, against the law, right? Uh, One of the things that people don't realize that you can actually report and contact authorities if they're being bullied through social media platforms or website. It's really trying to get them kicked off of that site, for example. And also if there was any harm done, any vandalism, any personal injury or anything, that needs to be addressed as well. So yes, it is a form of abuse. And think about it, it's perpetual, right? Continuously. And it really goes at it, goes at the individual, affects them mentally and physically. Absolutely. In fact, I was surprised at your list of ways that you can tell because it was very big. Do you want to go through the list? Sure. The warning signs, the red flags to look for. It's very important for parents to just be that detective, be that parent detective, look for signs of anxiety, depression, that withdrawal, poor performance in school is one of the other red flags. They're starting to feel and um, become more isolated. Uh, Family gatherings, things that you know your child usually loves to do, they're starting to pull away from them. You're also starting to see a lower sense of self-esteem, self-confidence. They're trying to hide themselves. Uh, They're saying that they don't want to go to school, not wanting to go to a birthday party, not wanting to hang out with friends that they usually love to go to do. Maybe they're trying to avoid the particular person. As we get into like even the teenage years and to even early adults, addiction, they're starting to find other ways to cope. And that's where they resort to alcohol and potential, um, you know, drug abuse. Yeah, that is just amazing. And I think it's kind of easy to talk yourself out of it. Well, everybody's struggling with anxiety. We feel isolated, but we're in a pandemic. There's a lot of ways that you could just say, well, 
and talk it away. But I think it's really important that if you see any of these to start to look into it. And what's the best way for a parent to do that? You're asking how to talk to their child about potentially being, if to see if they're being cyber bullied. I think the first thing is listen and validate, create a, a safe space, a judgment-free zone so they can share. You can be share about anything. If a child feels that they're going to be judged or criticized or pushed aside, it's not a big deal, it'll go away, or you're taking things too personally, they don't want to hear that. They want to be respective. I mean, that respected, that's what active listening is, is showing mm-hmm. another person that you truly respect what they're saying. You never know, bullies could be within their own circle, a friendship, someone they're a teenagers who are in a relationship, they're not the one at fault. And I think it's very important for parents to make sure that they reinforce that understanding that it is not their fault that they are being targeted. So you have given us a list of things that we can share with our kids to stop cyberbullying. Can you go through that list for us? Yeah, the first one, just like I said, right now, avoid self-blame. You want to ignore the bully. Remember, I said attention. Oftentimes, bullies want the attention. So if you don't give them the attention that they want, behavior decreases and stops over time because they're not. it's not being reinforced. Mm-hmm. So if you're not responding, you're less likely to escalate the situation. Make sure you create that judgment-free zone where a child, your child, doesn't have to try to suffer or deal with it by themselves. They can come and talk to a trusted adult. Is it an older sibling? Is it dad? Is it who? Who in the family can they go to? You want to make sure you have a point person or several people that they feel comfortable sharing. And as parents, remember, it's cyberbullying. So if you were on the platforms with your child, if you are monitoring their social media, make sure you go in and block the negative language, the intrusiveness, the targeting, or teach your children too how to go in and block messages, take down pictures, because blocking prevents them from being able to locate your profile altogether. So that's really important. If it's to the big extreme, you know, you want to collect evidence, change your email address, phone number. Sometimes you need to completely step away. But as I said before, report it to authorities, let them know that this is going on. Uh, Don't assume that nothing can be done. And then always create a safety plan. I mean, we're talking about cyberbullying, but bullying in general, I always say encourage children to not walk alone, walk in groups, have a signal or a password when you're kind of in a situation that you need some help to be taken out of. That's really important as well. I really like that because I think in those situations is when they're less likely to ask for help when they're in the midst of it. Right, right. Say to a friend, hey, they're saying this to me, you know. So if you need a little cue to kind of get rescued, but you don't want to increase the situation, the difficulty, you can create a little gestural cue or something that can be done. Yes. And I love what you say in the first one about avoiding self-blame is validate. It feels like that's something everybody has a problem doing, but how important it is to not only say it's not your fault, but to, like you said, active listening, but to validate and believe what they're saying. Right. I mean, it takes a few words to share. Gosh, that must be hard. Or I hear what you're saying. One of the things I tell parents to do is use your senses in your sentence. Like I hear, I feel that must be, or I see if you, if you use some of those sensory related words, it really gets you using the respect and the validation and showing that you're an empathetic listener. And the internet isn't going away. So I love it that 
you're not saying just keep them off. That's not very likely. It's that 80% of teens are using the cell phones, but to look for warnings and also to talk about it. When we were growing up, it was talk about drugs, let them know, talk about driving drunk or getting in a car with someone. But these are things that are new now for this new generation. Yes. The digital platforms are not going away. We've seen an increase of usage in general since the pandemic, because that has been the only way oftentimes our our children have been able to connect, right? To have social interactions. And so I think it's important for parents to just educate themselves, educate their children. One of the things I love to remind kids to do is not become a bully themselves and use the acronym THINK when they're using social platforms. Before they post, ask yourself, is what I'm putting out there in this world true? That's the T. Is it helpful? That's the H. Is it something that's inspiring? It's my call to action. It's going to cause some type of positive change. And then N, is it necessary? Is it something that it will be important for others to see or learn from? And K, is it kind? If you model appropriate behaviors and your children are modeling good behaviors, you're going to naturally want people who are like-minded to be around you. I think it's just a great thing, great lesson. And the other rule I have is when you do post, before you post something, even as adults, walk away for about 30 seconds and then come back to it and look at it just to make sure whatever message or photo or video you put out there in the world, you realize that it's a true digital imprint. It's something meaningful. It's it's positive because it doesn't go away. Usually you can't take it back in some yeah. cases. Right. right, exactly. The thing that I've noticed is a lot of times kids feel like to stand up to a bully that they're being mean. So how do you address that to help them see that being firm and having boundaries isn't mean? Well, definitely. It's not being mean. Standing up to a bully is self-advocating and using the word stop. No, I don't like that. You're basically sharing what you're feeling and you're letting the, the bully know that you know what they're doing is wrong. Now, if someone is hitting you, sometimes, I mean, I, I do talk to families and I, and I get it. You have to defend yourself. And so you defend yourself in a safe way that you can with every action is consequences. But in a situation like that, I always say, again, try not to be alone. If you know you're being targeted, make sure you have a trusted adult. Um, oftentimes this happens even at school. Just know where are your escape routes? Where do you go when you feel that you are being almost trapped? That's a good word. And to trust your instinct. I don't know that we teach that to the little ones. Often we're like, oh no, it's fine. But I feel like we have to help them learn how to trust their instincts. Yeah, trust your instincts. And and us as adults, we need to positively reinforce appropriate behaviors, right? When they're young, if we see good things happening, we need to make sure we let them know that we like what they're doing, how they're sharing, how they're respecting one another, how they're using positive language and how they're waiting their turn. Even the simplest things make a big difference later on in life. You know what comes up when you say that is what I've noticed. Cell phones came in when my kids were pretty much grown, but I see parents on their phones all the time at parks, at pools. If they are not modeling to put down the phone, to pay attention, and often it's mindless. And so I feel like if parents sort of need a checklist to go, wait, am I modeling? It's just such a habit that we don't even pay attention. We don't even feel a little guilty if we're sitting in front of somebody talking and we look at our phone. Say more about parents being good models. 
Yeah, I agree with you. We cannot expect our children to follow a certain digital rule if we don't follow it ourselves. And we have to, it is very automatic. Uh, We tend to scroll aimlessly and for what purpose? And really being present is so important. Our children will seek out our attention. Oftentimes you will see challenges in behaviors because we are the ones who are not 100% listening or looking or attending to them. And so it's very important to take a minute, take a pause, find times in the day that you can be on your cell phone and other times be present with your children because that is the type of uh, life skill you want to, them to emit and model. And the only way they're going to do it is if they see it who are, who are present around them. And I've got two teenagers. I'm one who drives. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the one thing you think about having children who are now out there driving around with others potentially texting while they're driving. I mean, it's just the scariest thing. And so, I mean, it just takes, start with yourself and then let it become a ripple effect. But your children do look to you and they are sponges and they, they model behaviors that you emit. And I love it what you said about taking a minute. I'm a grandma. I have four grandkids. And now I won't say I'm altruistic because I didn't do this because, oh, I need to spend time with my grandkids. But I always leave them with no pictures because I put my phone away the whole time I'm there. Now, the reason I originally did is because they wanted it. <laughs> and it was such a, a problem to kind of keep it out of their hands that I just leave it in my car or my suitcase. So then I leave with no pictures, but I think that is worth the price to me for them to have my full attention. That's so sweet. Yes. I mean, you're being mindful about it. I think that's, that's great. And the reality is, is we do use our phone for various reasons, checking emails or taking photos, like you said, but what's so great about some of these smart devices is they do also have a way that you can check how long you've been on particular apps or how long you've been in use of screen time. So I think it's nice at least the end of the week or after a couple of weeks for everyone who has a phone to be able to look at and see, well, how much time did I really spend on a particular app? And then also parents can actually limit through their smart devices, how long their child has access to certain platforms, which I think is important as well, um, because you're instilling structure, you're creating those digital rules, you're also creating etiquette, right? So when you sit at the dinner table, that's when we don't have our phone or, or when we're eating breakfast, when it's 7 p.m. at night and everyone's done with homework and school and work and everything let's just take some time to be with one another. And so create those family rules. It's very important. My sister became a mom long before I did. And I remember she kept telling me to put down the rules, be the mama bear, that it's okay. I don't know why I needed permission, but I'm so glad that she did that. It really taught me that it's really important to have good boundaries. We didn't have the phones, but there were video games, there were other things. And so making sure that they took time away and being mindful, I love that word that you use. If we are paying attention, it it doesn't mean we have to totally get off our phone, but if, like you said, was so cool, set a time that you're gonna be off for the day, like five minutes even to start, to start to break those habits and, and create a mindfulness that, wow, look at all this attention I'm giving to my phone when I have this precious little baby here who's going to grow up so fast. I agree. Kids grow up so fast. And yes, and start small. That's how you get your success. Don't forget to reinforce and praise when you do see them spending time away from their devices and engaging in other leisure things that are more purposeful. I think we should encourage that more. 
And I love swimming. Take them swimming because that's one of the few sports where they can't wear the headphones. It's like, take them swimming. They have to put their phone away. It's outdoors. So much in terms of vitamin D connected to overall wellness and just being outside is so important, especially what we've come through this past year and a half. So I think it's important. Yeah, do things. And like you said, they grow up so fast. And so you really do want to create those memories. Now you said you have two teenage boys. I have three kids. I have two teenage girls. I have a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, and then I have a seven-year-old boy. Oh, my. So tell me, as a parent, tell me what that's been like you to monitor and to be on top of those things. What's that been like for you? It's challenging, I think, for any parent to say that you don't get any pushback or the why question. But I'm fortunate enough that we really have this open line of communication. My children know what I do for a living. (laughs) We get buy-in. So whenever we create, we have a family mission statement, for example. And so it's, we get buy-in what we do. And I kind of, it's important to give your children options. When you give your children options, it's a win-win for everyone. And these are options that you can live with because children want to be independent. They don't want, as they get older, especially in their teenage years, they don't want to be told what to do. And the one thing I always say anyways is, Children at a young age should learn autonomy and independence. We are these helicopter parents who enable these kids. And we just want them to, even at a, when new, new moms, new dads, I always say, go out on a date, leave your child with a caretaker, a, a grandparent, a, someone that you trust, because you that's the best gift you can give them. I kind of like seeing my daughter's applying for colleges and stuff. And she's basically going to be on her own in a, less than a year. So it's, it's kind of exciting. And I love that you say you want them to have autonomy because what happens when you helicopter is then they don't learn how to make good choices. So when we set them up for success by giving them choices within this world of cell phones and social media. I just love it that you're giving guidelines so at least parents know what to look for and that it's okay to not let them be on all the time. But if you give them choices of things, then they're making a decision which empowers them. I love that. It's a great learning tool. It's something at a young age, parents sometimes have a difficult time. They're picking what their children wear. They're picking what they eat for breakfast. They're picking everything right down to putting on their clothes or shoes, telling them what to watch. And I think we have to allow them to have a little bit of structured freedom and you're not going to get a lot of pushback then when you do. I'm also a life coach. And I always say, if you have three options, you're going to be okay. But if you have two, it's either or. And that's where our rebelliousness comes in. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Nobody wants unsolicited advice. And I love it that you're starting that early with your kids. I have two more questions. First of all, what brought you to this work? I was in college and um, I really enjoyed taking psychology courses. I started to do some of my clinical work at UCLA's psychiatric hospital, specifically in the field of autism and education. They had a partial day program and I loved what I did. I got graduate degrees in counseling and educational psychology practice within a school system for many years and decided to open up my own practice, focus more on families and children and did some further schooling. And that's pretty much what I did in the media world came about. Um, So you'll see me in a lot of publications and so forth in journals because I had written Winnie and Her Worries. And then I have another book, My Friend Max, 
that really helps our community. I really wanted to get on a bigger platform to share my knowledge and resources for every family. You don't have to have a diagnosis. You don't have to present with some particular specific labeled challenge. I just think parenting in general is hard. And the more we can come together as a community and help one another out when it comes to mental health and schooling and and behaviors and parenting, I feel good personally about it. And therefore, this is why you will see me a lot more on news and and writing articles. And I will continue to practice as a clinician, but I'm not going to quit my side job, my day job, but but I love doing both. So my last question, you said you have a family a family mission statement. If you haven't created a family mission statement, the whole goal of that, and I don't want to say that I've had this like lifelong, it was in 2013 after my husband sadly experienced, it was a, could have been a traumatic, tragic illness. Um, and he was in the hospital for a very long time. But after he got released, we said, you know what? Our life serves a purpose. He's living in bonus time. We created what's called a family mission statement. We took our kids, they were young at the time and asked them what, how they wanted to contribute. And so it's a great activity for the family. Mine particularly, I'll say it to you now, it's to gain knowledge and strength through study and experience while laughing along the journey to better support our family and friends in an effort to serve society. So that's our, so any decision we make, we rely on that and ask ourselves questions on, is it something that we can have fun with, laugh along the way, but it, is it not only serving ourselves, but is, are we giving back or contributing in some way to our society or community? Wow, that is so great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Your book is called Winnie and Her Worries. And what's the name of the other one? My friend Max. Both can be found on Amazon. I found them. (laughs) You found them. And I've got some great campaigns also coming up with Zillow and just public health related. Just um, head over to my website. Follow me on Instagram at Rena B. Patel. Every day I try to put something out there. We just did all this past month was LGBTQ and how to talk to your children about all of that and being inclusive and compassionate. Anytime I have information to share, that's the best platform to find it. Okay. So it's R-E-E-N-A-B. P-A-T-E-L. And that's where we can find you on all the platforms. Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Rena. What a what a blessing to be able to hear people that are really, really honing in on how to help kids from cyberbullying. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. And I'm I'm so grateful for the work I get to do every day. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.